Dear friends, welcome back to Brews with Broads. I'm your host, Hannah Keim. You know, there are some people who light up every room they walk into, and this week's guest is absolutely one of them. Andreina Uribe is a packaging assistant and seller apprentice at Grimm Artisanal Ales in Brooklyn, New York. But once you listen to our conversation, you'll understand why I hesitate to define her by just that. She is a Bronx native who has done pretty much everything one can in the beer industry, from bartender to buyer to GM, and wow, it was such an honor that she shared so openly about her experiences with me and what she's learned about herself, her passions, the industry, what she values in an employer, her goals, and of course, the best places to eat in my neighborhood specifically. In fact, Andreina is a Brews with Broads first. I got to talk to her face-to-face in my living room. So you'll get to enjoy not only her incredible insights, but also some classic Brooklyn street noise, complete with car alarms and sirens. I feel lucky to count her as a friend and now as a guest on this podcast. Enjoy. Here we are. We're at my kitchen table. We are. Andreina Uribe. Welcome to Bruise with Broads. Hi. Ah, she leaned into the microphone. That's right, folks. We're at my table in my house. Yeah, and it's so homey in here. Ugh. I haven't been to someone's house in such a long time. I know, the COVID of it all. Yeah, so this is the, I think this is the first time, maybe one of the first times that I've gone over to someone's <gasps> house to just like have a conversation. Oh my God. Since everything got messed up in the world. Yeah, things here are, we are. are pretty messed up, but yeah. we're here and I'm really grateful that you're here. Same. Oh my gosh, I'm so used and to like making eye contact through a screen that like it's should so be funny. looking into your eyes. And right it's now. to be known that I'm here because I like the clean podcast sound. She told me this. I've actually received notes, not notes, but I've re- I've been told like, oh, I could tell you cut there. So this episode, there's not going to be any cuts. It's just going to be stream of consciousness. <laughs> stream, yes, a stream of consciousness. All right, so we've already been sitting here talking for like half an hour. The people haven't gotten to hear it. Sorry, people. But before we get started and talk about you and how wonderful you are and the many hats you have worn in this industry, we are going to share a beer. A really special beer. Yeah. I was not expecting this. So I've had this Cantillon Creek sitting in my fridge Shout out to this man. I can't remember his name. Gotta be honest. Shout out to this man. Sorry. I am not sorry to this man. I am (laughs) shouting out to this man who brought this. He's a lovely man. He owns a beer bar in London and I'll probably link it in the show notes. I can't remember what it's called right now. Anyway, he pulled this out of his, he was a guest at my bar. He came, he, he asked me, do you sell candy on here? I said, no, we don't. He pulled this out of his bag. So it is a cap and a cork. Cap and a cork. That, those are words. So I'm going to open it. And we are going to share it together. I'm going to look at the sediment. And it might not be a satisfying sound, but... Hopefully it is. I hope so. I think as soon as I saw the cork, I was like, oh, that's going to be cool. All right, here we go. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's not over, folks. No. There's still more to come. (laughs) This is an audio medium. And so it's good (laughs) that I am really giving you a 12-act play. Oh my god, you're See, so close to, that, to the <laughs> to the microphone. I know. One of these days. So funny. Wow! Wow, that was really good. Okay, that was that was really good. Okay, oh that's god. it. The glug glug glug. All right. Well, carbonation station, baby. Yeah. Mmm. 
we both, again, it's an audio medium. Looked at each other and said, mm. make Made eye contact as we sniffed this beer. Ooh, I like that. It's giving cherry pie vibes. Mm-hmm. Very jammy. Yeah, very jammy. It says... I like that. I might finish that. Yeah, I really want you to. I'm really excited you're here. And obviously we're here to talk about like your beer journey, etc., etc. But I want to know about your life journey first. My life journey. Hi. <laughs> I'm Andreina. And I'm born and raised in the Bronx. And I grew up in the projects, which a lot of people don't know about me. But I was very poor growing up. Probably still am poor, maybe. I'm, I'm, but I, I'm okay. I, I don't know. It depends on who you ask. It yeah, it depends on who you ask. But uh, yeah, I went to college and it didn't work out. More so because I just, I got there. I was a good, I was a great high school student. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about, my mom was so happy with me and my grades. But got to college and was kind of just like, uh, this isn't really working out for me. Like I just wasn't. I was studying English, which I, I love, you know, obviously I love English history and I love to read and all that, but it just didn't really work out. And I got back home and I became an after school teacher. Oh, I didn't know at that. At a Catholic school. Oh, yeah. I was 19. And so college was very short for me. Mm-hmm. I was there and for- And did you go away? I did. Okay. I went to University of Buffalo and it didn't snow when I was there. So it wasn't that crazy. Yeah. Um, but I came back home, became an after school teacher at a Catholic school, which was just like a little weird and like didn't pay at all. Mm-hmm. But I was 19, I was living at home, who cared, right? Um, and then once I turned 21, the first brewery in the Bronx in 60 years opened up, Gun Hill Brewery. Okay. This was right when I was turning 21. And it was kind of just something that I went into, you know? I wasn't, I mean, the only alcohol that I had consumed by then was like Everclear. And you right. know, and what's the other popular one? Oh, natural God. ice, the uh-huh. natty, uh, ice. natty ice. Yes, <laughs> even, yes. Yeah. So I didn't really care, but right. then once I turned twenty-one, like all of that, I feel like twenty fourteen for me is kind of when beer opened up. Mm-hmm. When like we had bars like Bronx Ale House, who would like only have like they were the only craft beer bar in the Bronx at the time, and obviously I became a regular there mm-hmm. because my Someone that I, a family friend that I grew up with was a bartender there. Shout out to us, Mirina. Um, and she was the, at the time, she was the only woman that I known that was like really into beer and, and like just like was into it and understood it and like was a fan of it. So I knew that she had went to Gun Hill Brewery. I saw that she went to the opening and I was like, oh, I gotta be there. Like Mina's there, I gotta go. So, you know, I went to Gun Hill for the first time and I was like, man, this IPA tastes like chewing on a piece of wood <laughs> i like it <laughs> i was like i, I like, like this it. i was like i like this it was something about it and yeah and then from there they hired a puerto rican bartender and obviously because i'm dominican and he's puerto rican we all kind of became friends because we all had things in common he's from the bronx too mm-hmm. so you know kind of found my cafeteria table if you will mm. right you know how they say, like, you walk into a cafeteria, like, where are you going to sit? Like, you're going to yeah. sit where you're the most familiar, right? It's kind of the, it's kind of like that uh, that scene in Mean Girls, right? And that's what I'm picturing, honestly. Yeah, it's like that scene in Mean Girls, yeah. the cafeteria scene. It's like, yeah. well, yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to go sit with the Dominicans and the Puerto Ricans. Yeah. And yeah, that's just what it is. Um, and so we all became friends at sharing beers that I had never heard of. And next thing you know, I was bringing a sip of sunshine to barbecues <laughs> at, like, 21 years old. It was ridiculous. 
But uh, yeah, and then I started working at a bar because I was working at a supermarket on Arthur Avenue. Mm-hmm. Got laid off, and the bar, one of the bars in the neighborhood, were like, "Do you want to work here?" And I was like, "Not really." But then I was like, I, "I'm getting laid off, man. Like I kind of, right. like I, I really should probably choice. do this. Yeah. Like you know." So I did that. I was there for five years. Mm-hmm. I went from bartender to buyer to GM. Which was really cool. When it was good, it was great. I'll tell you that much. Mm-hmm. When it was good, it was great. I gave a lot of years of my life to that job. If things didn't get so fucked up, I probably would still be there, mm-hmm. to be honest. Um, unfortunately, things got a little messy ownership management-wise. And I kind of was just like, I'm out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was there for five years. And I think I gave them a, I gave them like a, like my end date. And I think I left like two weeks before I was supposed to actually. So I was just like one day I was there and I was like, I can't do this anymore. Right. You know? And at that moment, it was kind of like, well, do I, I'm obviously going to get blacklisted, right? Because I know this very confidential information that is not very appealing. It's not going to appeal to the customer base, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. I, knew inf- I knew proprietary information, right? That could really hurt this business. And I was like, well, I'm getting blacklisted, so I can't go into beer. Mm. Like, there's no way. Like, I, that's what I thought about my life. Like, when I was thinking about leaving, it was just like, well, this is over. Mm-hmm. Like, it was fun. I had a great five years. You know, I've met incredible people, and I've made so many connections, and I've taught so many people about beer, like women and young men and, like, women of color. And just, like, it was awesome to, like, sit there and, like, hold little classes, right, where I'm, like, just teaching myself about beer. And, like, what the fuck did I know? I just drank a lot of beer, and I knew about it because I drank it, you know? But I never, like, read any books about fermentation and all this. Like, I didn't I didn't have, like, a formal education on beer. I just drank a lot of it. And right. they trusted me to teach everyone else because I was in the scene, I guess. I would go to bars. I'd come down to Brooklyn. I'd go to bars. I'd go to breweries. I'd travel for beer. So, you know, it was like, all right, well, she knows a lot. We'll just let her teach everyone. I mean, that was awesome. That was great. I don't think I would have had that opportunity anywhere else. Mm-hmm. Like, had someone, like, trust me that much and be like, yeah, like, just run this, I guess, program for me and teach everyone about beer. And now we, now they're selling beer. And, you know, I, I know that a lot of people have become beer fans out of that, which is something that I'm like, oh, it's so amazing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, I can't, like, I don't talk about myself at all. So I'm kind of just like, my impact, I guess? I don't know. Yes. I don't know. That sounds weird to say. But, um, yeah, I was like, I don't have any other choice. It's over. Like, Mm. I'm done. I can't, like, where am I going to go? Like, I'm going to get blacklisted. Like, I know this information. That's it. It's over. And my best friend right now, at the time, she was like, hey, I know you're trying to get out of there. Um, There's an opening at my school if you want to be a payroll secretary. She's like, and and procurement, (laughs) right? Sure. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you're a beer buyer, like. You know what it means to like buy things at a timely fashion and make sure that we have supplies. And I was like, okay. I mean, it's a city job, right? Like, isn't that kind of like the dream? It? In a sense, yeah. I guess. Yeah. If, if anything, I was like, fuck yeah, health insurance. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah. That's where we're at. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And to go from an environment that sounds like it ended with some real toxicity, like yeah. to have a stable job where, I mean, I don't know about the DOE, but to have a stable job where you're getting health insurance and you're punching a clock. And I can and make like, my own schedule. Yeah. Like, and I can take, at that point I was getting paid vacations. I was just like, this is sick. I was like, I'm a GM, I'm a buyer, I'm getting paid vacation. I'm getting like hourly pay enough where I can like afford my rent and then some. 
Like, oh my Shocking. god. And, I, and I'm walking to work. I was like, holy shit, this is it. But again, when it was good, it was great. And it was awesome. The mm-hmm. first three years were awesome. But kind of, you know. Anyway, so I go and I do this job. I, I go meet this principal. And she's amazing. Till this day, she's still one of the best bosses I've ever had in my life. She's incredible. Um, I go and I work there for a year. And it was awesome. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't take care of myself. It was unsustainable for me. You know, that's something that I also don't share with people a lot. Where it's like, yeah, I worked for the city. And yeah, I couldn't af- kind of couldn't afford to like eat some days. Mm. Where I had to like really kind of, you know, dial in my spending. Where I was like, I mean, thank God I have a really supportive partner. But... It was. It still felt really like, um, I don't know. Like I was like, damn, I can't take. Like I'm 26 years old. I can't take care of myself. I'm like this. And a lot of people don't know this. I'm, a lot of people are gonna hear this and they're gonna know this for the first time. But yeah, like it. It was great and everyone there was awesome. But it wasn't like financially like realistic for me, you know. And it's one of the, the DOE is one of those jobs where like you're supposed to be there for a long time, right? As I'm as I learned being in payroll, mm-hmm. the longer you're there, the more money that you make. So the end game is to be there for 20 years. And then you can finally make $100,000. And you can finally make 150 k And then you can retire. Right. Yeah. And you can get paid back your 200 paid sick days, right? Or 200, like, the only maximum they pay out is, like, 200 days, right? So, like, you all, you get, right, exactly. She's making a face. Yeah, I'm so making you can't a, see it. <laughs> I'm just shaking my, I mean, this is admittedly an area of the world, of life, like, the New York City Department of Education, I know nothing about. But it is, I mean, I want to give you credit that, like, you're saying, like, oh, I'm 26 years old, I can't take care of myself. Well, yeah, but A, you're used to working in the service industry that, like, wears you down. But you know, like, I'll work on a Friday or Saturday and I'll make at least right. a hundred, few hundred dollars and be chill. And it's funny because as I got into the DOE and I was like, oh, I'm going to have an awesome schedule I get to be at work at seven leave it to weekends off mm. Hannah I promise you that every single Saturday I was like fuck I could be making so much money right now as a bartender uh-huh. so that's what I did I started bartending okay during um being in the DOE and this was at a place that I was already at when I was at the bar right so I was at the bar and I was like I need to change the scenery I need to work at a bar once a week right so I go back to being a bartender in Westchester. Okay. While you were still, like, While GMing. While I was and GMing, okay. right? And oh, I, wow. this is a place that, like, allowed me to, like, leave and come back and leave and come back. So, like, once I got to DOE, and I was like, fuck, I'm not making any money. I was like, let me call them up. Like, I know they need somebody. So I was like, hey, can I work this day? They were like, yeah. So I was easing back into beer, right? After thinking that, like, it was over. Mm-hmm. And no one was hiring. I mean, I had applied to places while I was at the school. And just no one was hiring. Like, I couldn't yeah. find a job. Like, I mean... It was, it was insane. Like, I was just like, I was like, A, I'm blacklisted. Two, no one's going to, B, no one's going to, no one's hiring. So, like, what am I going to do? I had no other option but to work at the school. But I still wanted to kind of, like, mm-hmm. be a bartender. Keep a foot in. You know? Because ultimately, like, that was when I was the most happiest. I'd never been like, oh, my God, I love this job until I got into beer. And I was like, this is what I like because I know this and I'm familiar with it. And I, I like it, you know? Yeah. A lot of people don't have that. <laughs> uh, most people, I would yeah. say. To touch back on that job you were at for five years, when it was good, what made you feel empowered? What was good about it? I would say the liberty that they gave me to like control, like what, like mostly to put on events, right? Mm-hmm. So they trusted me to put on these curated events, right? Yeah. Where like, yeah, I put it. So I, 
Threes had a Can Jam event that they hosted, right? And I was like, man, no one's doing this in the Bronx. Like, why do I have to go all the way to Brooklyn to enjoy this? And I think I did go. The time that I got there, everything was sold out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is fucked up. <laughs> I'm like, this is so wrong. I'm like, and it, I got here late because I live far. So mm-hmm. it's not like, I got here at noon and everything sold out. Like, this is crazy. So I had the liberty to kind of do an event similar to that uptown. And things like that, like being able to be trusted with like, you know, we know that you know what's good out there, bring it to us, right? If you build it, there will come. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those situations where I was just like, it's not that I'm a bad beer buyer. It's that no one's going to come to the Bronx. I have to give them a reason to come to the Bronx, right? I tried my best. I had mm-hmm. a budget. It was very, the tap list was very um, restricted, uh, as per the owner's request. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I could have had everything on top. It was like New York only. So at that point, at that moment, I had only, I had a really great knowledge of New York City beer, yeah. but I didn't have good knowledge of everywhere else, which is why I kind of went into the bar because I was like, it's a bottle shop, you know, like they have a lot of different beers. So like, I can definitely learn a lot more here. So it was more of like, change of scenery. Also, I want a little bit more education. Uh, but yeah, things like that really excited me. It's made me feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that like, I made my own role as a buyer, right? I got there as a fan of beer, applied for the job. Maybe, like, a few months in, I was like, dude, you know I know my shit. Like, you know that I go out to events and I try new beers everywhere that I can. Like, this is, this is why I spend my free time. This is my hobby. Like, my hobby is to go to bars mm-hmm. and try beers. So, don't you think that maybe I could be a good buyer? Mm-hmm. And they were like, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. And then eventually it was like, all right, well, clearly you know your shit. So, like, let's make you a buyer. And I think that in itself, like, being like, wow, this role didn't exist here mm-hmm. until I got here and was like, give it to me. Mm. You know? Like, there was a table and I made a chair and I pulled it up. Right, you and I pulled it up to the to the table and I was like, you need me. Right. Like, I'm a really big asset here. And without me, like, honestly, I don't know if you know enough to educate everyone else to sell beer the way that you want to sell it, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to appeal to the beer nerd, right? But... I, at the time, every the beer nerd was going into Brooklyn. The beer nerd was going into downtown Manhattan, mm-hmm. going into Red Hook, going mm-hmm. in, you know what I mean? Like, going to these places that, like, I necessarily wasn't going to because I was all the way in the Bronx, you know? I'd go, like, to Midtown. I'd go to, like, the Ginger Man mm-hmm. and, like, Proletariat. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't going all the way to, like, Covenhoven or, like, what's that really popular beer bar around here that closed down? Beercraft. Oh, beer craft. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, I wasn't going to these places. Right. Right? And, like, the average beer nerd was going into these bars. But they weren't coming to my bar if they were going all the way to, down to the other places. So I was like, I need to bring them here. So, like, I don't know. I feel like as I was allowed to buy beer, it definitely, I changed the consumer base. Because now instead of getting people who are like, give me a light beer. People are coming in like, I want something really tropical and fruity and, like, maybe sour. I'm just like, wow. Like, like now you're impressing me like Mm -hmm. i'm impressed by you Mm -hmm. like but then that also has taught me to like remove my biases right because i could walk into a bar and i'm like oh i want this oh you know it's sour right Mm -hmm. you know it's dark and that really like made me upset so i had to learn to not be that way because while i was exposing people to beers i never had before i didn't want to assume that because they're at the bar they've never tried any of that before Maybe the reason they're at the bar is because they are beer nerds and now mm-hmm. I finally have tapped into that audience where people that know about beer are showing up to my bar, mm-hmm. right? So, like, shit like that, I was like, damn, like, I'm legit. 
And I've never, I don't like talking about myself, but now I'm looking back and I'm like, damn, you're legit. Yes, like, you are. Wow, like you did that. Besides all the unfortunate events that happened there, like like I said, I could have worked there forever. And mm-hmm. I, will, I will be honest about that till this day. I would say when I'm there, I'm like, I'm going to die behind this bar, right? <laughs> but like in a good way? But like in, uh, yeah, maybe. Because <laughs> I've said things like that too, and I don't mean it in a good way. <laughs> So yeah, that's definitely, I felt very empowered there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never admitted to that. And I've never, no one's ever framed it that way. But yeah, I, that, that place made me feel very empowered. Regardless, you know, all the terrible things that happened. But Right. Yeah. Which like we don't want to discount. But also I, watching the way that you just like lit up and spoke about feeling empowered and training people and managing people. Like I don't want what whatever happened there. They don't deserve to be able to rob you of like yeah, all like of the that's mine. Things that all happen. of that is mine. Exactly, yeah. no one can take that. It took me a very long time to realize that that belongs to me, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That they didn't create me. I got there and I was like, I'm gonna do this, right? And immediately from that moment, as I was like running that program and kind of doing all that, I was just like, man, well, like obviously it makes sense if I go into production, right? which has been something that has always been in the back of my mind. I consider myself to be an intentional person, right? Mm-hmm. For example, right? Like when I was living at home, I told myself I was like, by 25, I'm going to be out the house, right? And by 25, I was in my own apartment. I don't know how the fuck I got there, but I did it, yeah. right? So like intentional in that way where like, I don't necessarily, I'm like nitpicking every single thing that I do and make sure that one thing leads to the other Mm -hmm. but I'm kind of like taking baby steps you know and kind of just like thinking in the back of my mind like this is the end goal like this is what I want again that's what my goals are but you know like just you have a vision and like right yeah you you didn't say by 25 I want to be out of the house so at 22 I will be doing this at like you you had that it just happened and I was like oh shit I'm 25 I'm in my own apartment like okay this is sick you know so I think at that moment is when I was like oh like I do shit with intention Mm. like I don't do things just to be like look what I did it's more so just like okay like we're getting there which is an interesting evolution based on someone who also in high school was like a very good student and my worth was attached to how good of a student I was yes sir it's still like how when you're an adult and no one cares about your achievements and no one's like checking your homework how do you translate that to achieving the things you want to achieve right oh my god but speaking of school so you were at the doe for like a year for like a year yeah, yeah. i started august 2019 um great. good timing yeah great timing um and then i worked from home <laughs> yeah and it was my first work from home job and it was insane mm-hmm. i mean i i liked it at the time but you know then schools opened back up and yeah. we're back in schools and maybe, like, so school started at the end of August, like, early September. And then maybe, like, last week of September, I jokingly DM'd a friend and was, like, who worked at a brewery and was, like, yo, slide that email. <laughs> <laughs> like, and this is me, like, seeing people, being in breweries, never seeing a woman in production, never seeing people of color working there to be quite frank yeah period like so you have to understand that for me production seemed unattainable right to me it was something that i was never going to be able to do because i'm like first of all i'm not privileged like i don't have education for this i I can't afford the books Mm -hmm. that it takes to like learn all this stuff right and then i'm hearing about like 24 year olds like 
breaking into the industry and becoming brewers. And I'm like, oh, great. It's Mark from Pennsylvania. Right. Who's like, like mom and dad pay his rent. Yeah. And like, great. You can't afford. Who like has yeah. a car and has a license. Something that I don't because I'm born in New York City and I take the subway everywhere. I take the Metro North to drink <laughs> and hike. Throughout the time, like going back to like, you know, being at the bar and being at the school and kind of just like all that, all those years kind of never seeing people like me in production, never seeing people like me behind the bar. And I mean, I had maybe like one or two people of color that were my bartenders who I was just like, we need to be friends forever. And obviously during all that time, as I'm drinking and going out and traveling for beer, I was like, I have to make connections, right? Because if I'm going to go into a brewery, I have to know someone. That's just the way that it is. You know, unfortunately, when people ask me, like, how'd you get into it? I'm like, oh, it's been some time coming. Like, it's not like I decided I was going to go into beer and then automatically I applied to a a brewery. That's definitely not how it worked. You know, it took many years of, like, networking, connecting. So I I didn't see anyone like me. So I immediately I was like, this is not for me. It's never going to happen. So while I, in the back of my mind, while I did know that I want to work in production, I, to me, it just seemed impossible. Mm -hmm. I was like, it's never going to happen. Like, I don't know nearly as many people that work in breweries. I don't know anyone... I, and I don't know anyone that works in the back that's willing to give me a job, right? Because we also have to talk about gatekeeping, right? Where gatekeeping is so harmful mm-hmm. because it kind of, to me, the way that I understood it was like, this is for us and it's not for you because you just, it's just not for you. Mm-hmm. Like you don't understand this and it's not for you, but it's for us because we're white and we have beards. Right. And, that's what I was going to ask And you. people will hire us. Right. So, I mean, that dream died. Obviously, I'm in the DOE. I'm not in beer anymore. It died. I was just like, it's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. So obviously I'm still hanging out at breweries. I'm still going to events. I'm still going to parties. And so yeah, I sent that DM. And I was like, yo, slide that slide that email. And he's like, he replied with HR's email. And I emailed HR. And I interviewed over the phone. And I trained in person. And yeah, I was... By the beginning of October, my I knew that my last day at the DOE was going to be uh, Halloween, October 31st. 2020. 2020. 2020. 2020. October okay, 2020. I, that's me. I was trying to place yeah, it yeah, yeah. the time 2020. that we met. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. And that's, yeah. So, we're at a brewery. And you're we s- did it. We fucking did it. But you're behind the bars. But I'm behind the bar. Mm. But we're at a brewery, Hannah. Yeah. We've never been at a brewery. We've never worked at a brewery. We've only done bars, mm-hmm. bottle shops, and then we left beer, and then we got back into beer, right? Something just, like, I just, that's, this is where I belong. Like, I just knew that's where I needed to be. Like, I'm like, how long am I going to be the DOE for? Like, realistically. Like, am I supposed to live until I die? I mean, this is not fun. Yeah. I'd die behind that bar. I would not die behind a DOE, thus. <laughs> you know, and it was, I mean, I was great at my job. My When I left, my boss was like, she was a mess. And I'm just like, understand that I didn't go looking for this job. I sent a DM. <laughs> like I sent, I, sent, I sent a really risky DM. You understand. And it worked out for me. <laughs> I didn't say that, but I was just yeah. like, I didn't go looking for a job, but you know, like, and at that moment I told her, I was like, this job will let me go into production. And that's how I framed it to her. I was like, I want to work in production at a brewery. And if I get to bar, if I, if I get to bartend at this brewery, like I'm going to be able to work anywhere that I want. That's the way that I pictured it. I was like, I'm going to be able to work anywhere I want. Are you mm-hmm. kidding me? They're going to see this on my resume and they're going to be like, yeah, like she has brewery experience. Because I was never going to walk into a brewery after working at the bar, the bottle shop, and DOE and be like, I want to be a brewer. And I was like, no, I knew I had to be at a brewery for at least a year. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I knew that. That was just, that was the name of the, that's the name of the game. You know that. Like, yeah. if you want to work at a brewery, 
you know, you get in and that's when you go into production. That's how I saw it. Mm-hmm. And when I got back into beer, that's when I met Breeze and I met uh, Maria Schertz and I met like, and I met Robin, right? And I met all these awesome, like people of color in beer. And I was like, now there's space for me. Mm. Like now I belong here. Because I can finally, I can see it, right? If I don't see it, I didn't see it for all those years. I could never see myself in that position because I didn't see people like me there. Right. You know? And like representation matters because of that. Because if you can't see yourself somewhere, like you're just never gonna, you're never gonna go for it. Because you, you never felt like you belonged in the first place. So when I came back into beer and I met all these people, I was like, oh, hell yeah. Like, this is it. Like, this is the time to be a person of color in beer. Because now people are finally seeing that, like, we belong here. And I'm seeing someone, like, I'm seeing a woman of color for beer. And that's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. If I told that to myself when I was 21, I would have been like, <laughs> yeah, okay. You know? And crazy enough, like, Breeze was the first woman of color that I saw that was a brewer. And, like, up until that moment, I don't, I didn't know anyone else. Yeah. Like, legit. I, it was just white dudes. White dudes or people, like, dudes with connections. Because how, I mean, and how did I get into the brewery, right? Sliding into someone's DM. Right. You know, like, it was never going to be a situation where I was going to be able to apply out of, out of the blue and get the job. No. Like, I DM'd someone, they told their manager, they vouched for me, mm-hmm. and I got the job. You know? And that goes back to that gatekeeping, right? Where, like, could anybody else that didn't have the connections and been in beer for six years be able to do that? Unfortunately, not really. I mean, you can go for it, and I applaud you, but, right. like... That the chances are slim. That shit's scary. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't like being rejected. I couldn't have handled that. No. So I was like, oh, I, I was like, I know someone, so, like, I'm good. Like, <laughs> and I, But I learned that, too, right? Because at the beginning, I was kind of just like, well, I don't know anyone, so I'm never going to be able to work at a brewery. But then I, I knew someone, so it happened. And um, I, I think you can't discount... Not that you really are, but I, you can't discount... You're doing what all of the white guys with beards do. Which right. is using your connections right. and getting your foot in the door how you can do it. Because, like, what's the alternative? To sit and work at the DOE for the rest of your life and be like, man, I really wish. But I was scared, too, because I was like... Of course. Oh, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, right. I'm going. I'm getting back into this, right? Like, everyone knows where I've worked. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. know these people. They know, like, yeah. And I'm just like, am I, am I still blacklisted? Like, am I blacklisted, like, in real life? Like, is this real? My question, and you don't have to answer it, is did you... Yes. You experienced, like, actual things that would make you feel like, oh, I am blacklisted. You know what I mean? It's, it's just the way that would talk to me. The way that they would be like, you're the mm-hmm. best thing that ever happened to us. Like, where are you going to go now? I just wanted to touch in on that because I feel yeah. like I'm curious about that, the narrative of like, oh, I'm going to be blacklisted as a manipulation tactic on the part yeah, of like it was a, never it was never told to me like you're gonna get black it was implied it, it was like. it was Im- it was it was implied like not really more so just like me in my head right right and that's what and I then wondering. me yeah and me in my head and being like damn like you can't leave this shop mm-hmm. like you're not gonna be able to work anywhere else like that's i literally thought that hana i thought i was never gonna be able to get a job anywhere else i was like this is it it's all fucking over it's over for me. I'm never going to go back into beer. It's just but wild. we back, though. We're back. Okay. We back. We're back. We're, we're back taking in it beer. back to where we're at in the story. So you, we're, we're you back slide in into the DMs. I You're slide into the gym. I'm at a brewery. I'm a bartender again. I'm serving beer. I'm serving craft beer. New York City craft beer. And yeah, uh, it was awesome. Again, when it was good, it was great. Yeah. 
I don't hate bartending. I really don't. It's one thing that like, I mean, I hate it now. But, <laughs> you know but I only hate it now because I'm in production. Right. Because I know what it's like to be in the back. But I don't hate it. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I loved it. Are you kidding of me? Course. The code switching, the like pretending to be someone like else, like to be some like, I don't know, like that shit like was just so funny to me. It's yeah. one of those things where like you could be someone different to everyone. Maybe this is mental illness, but I was able to create multiple personalities for myself <laughs> while I was a bartender. It was just so fun, you know? It it's like, if any of this real, like, you're going to give me your money anyway. Like, you just want me to give you beer, and I'm going to give you beer. But, like, maybe I'm going to crack a joke or two, or I don't know. I was just, I was able to be myself, but, like, not really, because I still had to honor their image, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, I couldn't be completely myself. And, by the way, to be clear... The last time I felt like myself in a workplace was the first two years of that beer job, mm-hmm. of that first bar job. After that, I definitely was not myself. Mm-hmm. I look back at that person and I'm just like, who the fuck was that? Like, who are you? And I'm not, and I, it, it's a shame because I lost a lot of friends during that time mm-hmm. because I was like a shitty person because I worked for shitty people, you know? And it kind of, I kind of turned into them mm-hmm. in a way. And it's like, oh my God, like, I'm not going to go back and be like, forgive me, I was a shitty person, but, like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I was a shitty person. I'm not shitty anymore. Whatever. I think. Whatever. I <laughs> I mean, I'm having a hard time believing you were shitty enough, but I I hear what you're saying. Yeah. That, like, whatever um, that's saying is you are the sum of the, like, five people you surround yourself with most often or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah. Yeah. When, but I once I left, obviously, growth. I grew as a person. Yeah, and you were young. And I, Yeah, I was young. Yeah, I was there from 22 to 26. Yeah. I didn't know my ass from my elbow, 22 to yeah. 26. I still don't, but... <laughs> um, but, so it's been a year. So mm-hmm. it's been a year. We bartended for a full year. We're not happy. Mm-hmm. I've experienced being in a work in a workplace that was toxic, that I didn't like, and I stood there, and I dealt with it, and I ate all the bullshit. Mm-hmm. But 27 year old Andreina said, nope, I'm not doing that. 28? 28? She was like, no. She's like, you're unhappy, you're going to leave. So I was like, mm, you're not giving me more money. Um, you're kind of making me feel really shitty for asking for more money. Um, yeah, I don't need this. Like, I'm so out of here. And then again, I felt, oh my God, they're going to blacklist me. I was like, this is it. Like, it's fucking over, all over. Like, either I stay. I was like, the money's so good, I have to stay. Like, I have to stay. Like, why would I go anywhere? This is the most money I'm ever going to make. Mm-hmm. I was like, why would I go anywhere else? But just didn't feel good. Didn't mm-hmm. feel good in the heart. You know? Like, I was just like, I, you've been, I was like, I've, I've been here before. You got to leave. Like, I just, I knew from my past self that staying at a place that was toxic wasn't good. Because mm-hmm. I also, I also have an innate, like, part of myself that doesn't allow me to shut up. So I, <laughs> yeah. So I, surprise, surprise. I I speak up for myself because who if not me then who mm-hmm. right and I'm the per- and I and I take going back to like being a manager right I have that like mama bear mentality right yes. where I'm working with all these people and they're having a really shitty time and they're not enjoying themselves and they're being treated like shit but no one wants to say anything obviously like they want to keep their jobs you know at this point everyone's from out of town right so I'm just like, shit, if shit is the fact, I'm going back to my mom's house. Or mm-hmm. I'm going, I'm just, I'm going to figure something out. Like, I know enough people, I can figure this out, you know? And I definitely felt like I needed to stand up for the team and, like, mm-hmm. s- like speak up for them. Because I was just like, come on, y'all. Like, this is not it. We're not happy. And why aren't we saying anything about it? And there's you know? certain things, I think, 
that are like quote unquote industry standard right. across industries. Like this is just how it is. This is how we oh, do oh, it. Absolutely. It's these places that kind of the way that the that first place made you feel like, well, we are this big deal. Right. You're lucky to be here kind of a yeah, thing. Yeah. Not what it should be is we are lucky to have you and to have right. what you offer. And that, something that I learned from that too is like, if you're a bar or brewery owner and you listen to this right now, do right by your employees. Mm-hmm. I promise you, it'll make you so much money. When your employees are happy and they feel valued and they feel appreciated, I promise you, you'll make more money. And doing right by your employees will never backfire on you. Never. I mean, never say never, but it will never backfire on you, you know? And that's something that I feel like it's a tough pill to swallow because mm-hmm. a lot of people just want to make money. And I get that, you know? Like, why do you open business? Because you want to make fucking money, right? Mm-hmm. You want to make beer too, but you also want to make money, right? Let's be honest here, right? Yeah. It's, the way, it's just the way that the world works. Yes. And I think it's easy, especially in beer. I don't know. I have, This is the industry we work in, so this is what I can speak to. It's really easy to get caught up in, like, our mission and this cause and right. why we're doing this. Right. And our code of conduct where you'll always feel safe. Right. But at the <laughs> end of the day, if you're not making, if you aren't actually walking that walk and making your employees feel safe. Right. You're just in it for the money. And for Instagram, obviously. Because if, <sighs> sure, sure. if you don't look good on Instagram. Then who, what do you have? Then what do you have, yeah. right? If you don't have your 10,000 million billion followers. Right. Then. Or like a viral. What you, yeah. Whatever. Then what do you have? Yeah. Right. And I think that employees get forgotten mm-hmm. in the mix of all of that, right? Of making sure you have great optics and mm-hmm. everything else. like Right, because when you, what you've spoken to before at bars that you've just been to as a guest, like, oh, you know this bartender. And the connection, these interpersonal connections you make between bartender and patron, like, yeah. that's what keeps people coming back. Right. Sure, people are going to come out for, like, whatever hype thing or whatever they saw on Instagram. Yeah. The people who come back are because like oh my god Hans here yes Hans <laughs> here. here and she how she was behind the bar on Saturday and we talked about whatever we talked about our cats and like yeah, it was yeah. amazing and she told me about this thing and like yeah. those that's why we do this yeah and it's hard to do that when you're unhappy because then when you're unhappy what do you want yeah what, what can I get for you yeah you it know becomes it, transactional. It become, yeah it becomes transactional and yes transactional is such a good word because that's definitely how it felt towards the end of that mm-hmm. and uh yeah just didn't was not feeling it anymore mm-hmm. and was like Andrina you gotta get out and so I did and so well no I didn't leave immediately <laughs> but then an opening uh became available at Grimm and it was seller apprentice packaging assistant and I was like wait is this an entry-level production job I was like no fucking way so I actually reached out to their director of operations distro manager and I was like yo how entry level is this because like I'm not about to like apply for this and be super underqualified and I feel like an idiot right right and did you know them before yes okay great um and I hit them up and I was like how entry level she was like oh yeah you know like it's you know it's mostly for a home brewer looking to like break into you know into production but like obviously like we're looking for passion right you know me I'm full of passion, baby. <laughs> so I was like, I gotta go for this. So once once she gave me the green light, kind of just be like, yeah, like, this is what it is. Like, it's entry level. Like, you know, these are the qualifications, but, like, you should totally go for it. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm gonna do it. So it took me a few days. I was scared, Anna. Of course. I was petrified. I was like, oh, my God. I've been a bartender, GM, buyer. What the fuck do I know? Like, why would they hire me, right? 
and I applied and their interview process is phone call in person trail and then you find out if you get hired right so I have the phone call I have the phone call I'm talking the phone for like 30 minutes and it was one of the best phone calls I've had in such a long time like it was so refreshing to talk to somebody who was just like yes tell me everything that's wrong in the industry and why we need to hire you and t- well not not exactly that but kind of just like my experience industry where I just felt like it was always unattainable right mm-hmm. where and because I felt it was unattainable I never really studied anything for it because what's I, the point what's the point mm-hmm. I'm never gonna get this job there's no one like me in the back right I don't see myself right yeah so you know I go then I go in person and I interview oh my god and then I go try a trial and I'm like oh my god everyone hated me mm-hmm. of yeah. course it's just a thought I'm like oh my god everyone hated me I'm not gonna get this job how do I get the job so now I'm a packaging assistant, seller apprentice at Grimm. Fucking seven years later. Fucking pinch me. Oh, also, I moved to Brooklyn. The, yes. <laughs> In the process. Side note. Uh, yeah, side note. I had to move to Brooklyn because that's where my job was. Yeah. And the commute was Had you been horrendous. commuting from the Bronx the whole time? Yes. Good God. From October 2020 until April 2021, I commuted to Brooklyn every single, well, not every single day, but five days a week. And, uh, yeah, things have been amazing Yeah, at Grimm. I mean, I feel super appreciated. I feel super valued. I love everyone there. They're so smart. Yeah. Oh, my God. When I got there, I was like, I'm not going to learn any of this. And I remember going to Joe once and being like, Joe, it's not sticking. I'm like, I'm worried. It was like my like my, my first month there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, like, everything baby steps, right? So I'm learning everything. Right. I'm learning the foundation of things, and I'm learning. I'm applying. They're basically... They're teaching me the foundations of brewery functions, cellar functions, and then I'm applying everything that I'm learning to different tasks, right? It's kind of just like the way that it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh my God, it's not sticking. Oh my God, I'm a fucking idiot. Like, nothing's sticking. I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm, I'm doing the reading and I'm here every day, but like, I don't get it. I need to give myself some time because now right. I get it. Now I definitely, I'm more confident and I definitely understand what's happening in the cellar, but I was scared. My first like few months, I was scared. I was like, oh my God. And it's funny because one thing that I've learned from it is I'm strong. Yeah. Like physically strong. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't realize how strong. I would that's one thing that I was like, they're not gonna hire me. I can't lift fifty pounds. Oh my god. It's never gonna happen. But then I get there and I'm like, Oh yeah, you're strong. And you know, your body hurts for the first few months. Oh, I can't even imagine. But it's all good. Yeah. And if you can't honestly, if you can't handle that body pain, I would say like Definitely not for you. But if you can handle it and you have the passion for it, I have passion. I have passion. You're on fire. So <laughs> so it worked. Yeah. It worked out. And I love it. I'm having a great time. And yeah, it's amazing. No complaints so far. <laughs> what, like how have they helped you education-wise? Is it just sort of like... Oh, we have a massive library. Cool. That our That's fermentation cool. director has like a... We have, a, we have a, a, a Slack channel where he's like, I'm organizing all the books. Like, let me know if you bought something. Let me know if you return it. So we have a massive library, but something that uh, is I've been blessed to have is people who support me, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like I have a friend who was like who was a brewer for ten years, left brewing and was like, yo, I got all these books. I put us on Instagram like, uh, I have these books for sale, but if you're a person of color in brewing, like they're free, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I hadn't seen the story, but he DM'd me and he was like, yo, um, I just realized like you're in production now and like you're a woman of color and like. All odds are against you. I'm giving you these books. And I was like, what? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, yeah, between my personal library that was gifted to me and the library at the brewery, I mean, like, 
and they dedicate so much like they dedicate so much time to teaching me stuff like it's crazy i feel like i can go to any single one of them and be like can you help me with this or am, am i doing this right and they will all be like no they'll be present that's one thing that i really appreciate mm-hmm. is that everyone's there like they're really passionate about it i feel like for the most part when we're there i feel like we all live and breathe like fermentation mm-hmm. and brewing and just all of it it's amazing what are you proudest of in your time there oh just the way i've been able to pick everything up honestly yeah. and it's funny because a moment ago i was saying how i was like it's not sticking but i think today i had a really good day where i just like when i'm rolling solo i would say mm. because a lot of the first few months were like me assisting someone me assisting somebody else doing something or like someone jumping on a task with me and now it's kind of like when we break out and we're just like, okay, like who wants to do what? I'm like, I want to do this. I want to do that. And they're like, yeah, do it. And I think today there was a moment where there was like hops stuck in like a valve. And my head brewer was like, uh, do this to get it out. And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll do that. He was like, you feel confident? And one of our brewers was like, she got this. Like, she, she's good. She got it. And I was like, ah, yes, yes, I do got it. So like moments like that, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, like. This is for me, you know, like, I feel like I'm finally happy and I finally realized that there's things better to life than bartending. <laughs> and bartending's awesome. Yeah. You make a lot of money bartending, we're right? We're not here to shit on it, but... Yeah, we're not here to shit wanted, on it. You wanted but, this. But we've been a bartender for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, it's amazing. It's... Everyone there is so supportive. Like, I think just, like, the fact that everyone there is so supportive and the fact that, like, everyone builds everyone... Like, it's everyone's so supportive of each other. Mm-hmm. It's so awesome. Okay, so you you said you are goal oriented. You're not goal oriented. Like, what's what's the big dream, or what's the next big dream? The next big dream is to do this for as long as I can, and then teach, and like teach it to other women of color that want to go into beer. Because I feel like right now where we're at in beer, it's like there's no going back. Like you, mm-hmm. like we're here, mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're here, and you can't take this away from us. Like now that I. Because I saw because I saw someone else in the position that I wanted to be in, and I know that it was possible, I think that through me, someone can have that same experience, right? Mm-hmm. Where someone can see me at a brewery and be like, oh shit, that's a woman of color. And she's 5'4". <laughs> Great. <laughs> Which I always say that I think a few a few inches could definitely help mm-hmm. as to like being in production. Mm-hmm. Do you know how hard it is? I use a step stool. To For do, everything. I use a step stool to do Zom readings, okay? Like I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't. I, I use a step stool for a lot of Everything. things. Oh, but yeah, I think for me that's, and I said that in my interview when they asked me that too. They asked mm-hmm. me, they were like, what do you do after this? I definitely want to be that inspiration for someone else to do what I do. And I want to take everything that I'm learning now and like also pass that down to somebody else. I don't know, I just want to like see more women of color and brewing see more people of color and brewing like it's like we like beer is from africa exactly. like <laughs> this exactly. is fucking crazy right and that's what i like beer is from africa like why are there only white brewers that's what i've been thinking about throughout it's this so whole insane. conversation is the idea that like making room and i'm not seeing anyone like me and who's gonna let me in the fact that like you need to be let in yeah and yes. something yes that an art form, a science that like women of color started yeah. in it, in its origin and its original form is insane. And like, obviously we know, we know the history and we know why it's like that for many reasons. Yeah. And it's basically the patriarchy and money and racism all like tied up in a beautiful little bow together. 
But like the fact that you have to be, that there's a gate to keep you yes. from. Yeah. You seem to have a boundless source of energy and right. You, you have the fire. Do you ever get tired of having to like, feeling like you have to like bushwhack? I feel like I do, room. but I kind of, I don't know. I get these little bursts of imposter syndrome sometimes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Where I kind of have to psych myself out and be like, no, but like you do belong here. Like you do know this. Like you are smart enough, right? But definitely for sure. Constantly. Every day. Like, I mean, at every job I've ever been at, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm not good enough for this. Like, but I can backtrack. I feel like I have the power within myself to be like, no, like you're worth it. Mm-hmm. And you're not an idiot and you're not stupid and you do belong here. Because it's really easy to feel like I don't I don't belong. It's very easy. I just look around mm-hmm. into the beer industry and realize like, oh, there's like five of people like me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that's it. Right. So yeah, I do, but I also feel like I have I, I have the energy to backtrack and be like, no, you're the shit. I like you work your ass off. Which is something that I had to tell myself at first. Where it was like when I got the job at Grimm, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I, am I really gonna do this? Like, and I'm like, no. Like, you work your ass off. I told mm-hmm. myself, like, you work your, like, you have this job because you work your ass off. You didn't get this job because you're a woman of color and you want to be a brewer. Like, no. It's because I work my ass off. I have the passion for it, and I displayed that to people who wanted to hire someone with passion and good work ethic, right? That's just the reality of it. And I have to like be, I have to ground myself and be real with myself and be like, no, like this is for you and you belong here mm. and you're, you are capable, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I have the potential. Right. And by, it's a fucking car alarm, by <laughs> giving that gift, I would say to yourself and by lifting yourself up, you are working towards your goal of being able to provide that affirmation to other women of color. Yeah. And to like, be able to have the longevity in your career to not, hopefully, not burn out. And yeah. Not in oh, like yeah. That's five a, years, yeah. be like, fuck this. I can't carry this anymore. Well, also, this is the first time that I, since I got into beer that I finally have a work life balance, right? Wow. Yeah. Talk Where about before that. I didn't, mm-hmm. it was eat, sleep, the bar. I was closing every single night. I didn't have, like, I didn't have a life. Mm-hmm. And then also in the Bronx, we also don't have too many resources so like what am I gonna do when I'm not at work there's not really much to do I can go to the gardens I can go to the zoo but I grew up going to the zoo Mm -hmm. I grew up going to the gardens like this is these are like activities and like things that I've already done a thousand times Mm -hmm. you know so it wasn't until I moved down here and I started working at a brewery where I'm just like okay it is possible to have a work-life balance and when I was working at the brewery I was kind of just like man I'm kind of just like really giving them all of my time Mm -hmm. but then once I got to Grimm they're like my head brew is very much just like yo when you're not at work you're not at work and he's like and if something can be safe for later it can be safe for later like he's so chill it's incredible what's really I love him he's amazing and he's taught me to like like just chill uh-huh. like it's not that serious like someone will take care of it or you can just do it tomorrow and I'm just like what are you kidding me what's who really are you who sent you who's Hello. Who sent you? God. Who sent you? You're amazing. What's striking me about what you're saying through this is the difference between, like we've talked about, feeling trusted and valued by your employers and feeling empowered, right? Like you're not working at a place that is like, you're lucky that we let you in this door. Yeah. You're working at a place that sounds like feels lucky to have you and sees your worth as a human being. Yes. A thousand percent. And that 
is something I need to like really chew on a little more just personally I feel like it's possible I didn't think it was possible until I got there and yeah. I was like oh shit it's good to know someone can care about me as a human being and sign my paycheck that's crazy right and I unfortunately think that is not certainly not the norm that's the exception to the rule I think yeah I wonder how we change that do it right by your employees doing right by them mm-hmm. oh like I mentioned before do right by them and I think there at Grimm, they definitely care about what we say and what we think about the beer. So we all we also we also try every single beer in process, which is something yeah. that I'm like super excited that yeah. I'm a part of. Um, and I feel like small things like that, right? Like being on the Instagram page. Like, how can I say this? This is a hard question. I don't know. It's like I was a- truly asking it hypothetically. But <laughs> you're ready. I don't know. Should I? I don't know how to answer this. this is you, hard. And you don't have to. I, it's to- more in my. Head, I'm wondering because I think we've all. Been I think there. in the most simple way is to do right by your employees mm-hmm. and to listen to them and hear what they're saying and and kind of like ask them what their needs are and meet those needs. Mm-hmm. It's possible, you know. We're talking about these big breweries that have the money to take care of people, right? Offer them insurance. Inflation is very high. If you're paying someone the same amount of money that you, if you never give someone a raise. Mm-hmm. You're doing them a disservice. They're not being able to afford to live. Like, I think mandatory, like, yearly raises need to be a thing here. And I think people would be really happy with that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I think listening to your employees and, like, taking them serious and seeing them as human beings and, like, you know, like, acknowledging their potential and knowing that they're people before they work for you. You know, mm-hmm. like, before being an employee, they're a person. Mm-hmm. Right? And I feel like sometimes people just see us as work machines. And, like, yeah, we can be. But like, we're not gonna be happy, right? How and you burn out and you quit, and, and you then burn you out, you quit, and you yeah, you have to hire new people, and then it's like, turnover is not good, y'all. Like when I go into a bar, and I go there frequently, and I see different people every time I go in, I'm gonna stop going there because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like anyone's happy, and it, that's not a good representation of ownership either. Like I think people don't take that as serious as they should. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, and also. Abiding by your code of conduct. If you yes, have I want one. to talk about that. If you have one. Mm-hmm. If you have a code of conduct, abide by it, please. Don't just have it on your website. Just don't. Right, because I feel like... I, right, I'd prefer mm-hmm. if you didn't have it at all. Right. Because right now, obviously, there's been a big push to for breweries to have that. And people want right. to do the right... Post about it on Instagram and say, like, we have this and paste it wherever. But... Yeah. It's empty words. They don't mean anything. And words... And we're at a time where words matter. Right? Words matter a lot. So choose them wisely. And if you're going to put something out there and you're going to... And I think it's so harmful to not abide by a code of conduct because as a person of color, I'm reading your code of conduct. And what you want out of it is to understand that I feel safe, right? So you're in... You're, and again, intent versus impact, right? Where your intention is mm-hmm. to make me feel safe, but intent does not equal impact, so if you're not doing anything, your intention means shit. Mm-hmm. And if you're, you're not abiding by your code of conduct, then your intention means nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm just glad you're here and I'm glad... I'm glad we met. I'm glad we met. Me too. I'm, I'm really grateful because for a number of reasons, not only because you're like hilarious and vivacious <laughs> and it makes sense to me that you would be an amazing manager because you are like an open, open soul. You're an open heart. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. And I, I could know. see how that could stop. No, I won't I won't stop. I could see how that 
gets exhausting and like to let people in in the way you do is exhausting especially in the workplace where you're like I need to be for me for a second but your passion is infectious and I'm stop it I'm just kidding kidding. keep going keep going going, going. your passion is infectious and it makes me excited to see a I'm so happy that you're happy where you're at right now because you deserve that but I'm really excited to see where you go and like it's so clear to me not only your passion for all things brewing and production but to help other women to help other women and people of color to fucking get back into the back of house yeah we need we need more people yes it's like it's crazy because it's crazy that i thought i couldn't do it because i didn't see anyone that like like i it was impossible. I thought it was impossible. I mean, it's not crazy because, as we say on this show, you got to see it to be it. You could cool. never. But it's Hell Billie yeah. Jean King. It's definitely not me. But <laughs> you, how could you know that it's possible if all you have seen is people who look the same as each other and people who come from the same backgrounds socioeconomically and culturally? Like, how can you know? Yeah. You don't. You can't. And so. And I was also, I was also really, like, my big thing once I became an adult was, like, what I the phrase that I heard a lot was like, don't be the product of your environment, huh. right? Where like here I am, like I'm growing up in this like I'm growing up in a, in the projects, yeah, and I'm just like, well, I'm gonna be a piece of shit, right? Because everyone that you know, it's kind of that's the idea that people have of people from the projects, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, well, it's where you're from, so that's all you'll ever be, and it's like, damn, that's so fucked up, and it's fucked up because it pigeonholes people to thinking that they can't do anything, but be where they're from Mm -hmm. and I love being from New York and I love being a New Yorker and being a New Yorker is a thousand percent of my personality traits (laughs) one of my personality traits but um but yeah it was it was also difficult for me to be real with myself and be like no like just because I grew up where I grew up in the circumstances that I did it doesn't mean that that has to define me Mm -hmm. right so that's something that I like always carry with me where sometimes I'm like wow I can't believe like this is where I am now like I always tell myself I'm like if I told 21-year-old Andreina that she was fucking working at Grimm back of the house, no, not possible. I wouldn't believe it. I mean, you I, just, would, I wouldn't believe it. You just all. answered my question that I often ask is, like, if you could tell yourself five years ago, that's a little more, but five years ago, anything, like, what would uh, you say? Quit that job. Uh-huh. And... Quit that job. That's what I would say. Quit that job. And you're going to be fine. And you're going to be fine because you have people around you that support you and love you. And they only want you to do good. And they only ever want to set you up for success. That's what I would tell myself. Because five years ago, five years ago I was, how old was I? 23? This this job isn't your whole life. Mm -hmm. And it's not your personality. And you're more than your job. Sorry, I thought that five years ago me was 25-year-old me. Either way. I No, 25-year-old 20, me quit that job. 23-year-old me, your job is not your personality. Mm-hmm. And your personality is not your job. And you're better than this. And if you're unhappy, leave. Boop. Boop. Mic drop. <laughs> I mean, that's a boop if I've ever heard a boop. Boop. This is a question that I always ask, and it's weird, but I just can't stop asking it. Okay. If you could tell yourself... Five years from now, anything? What do you? What would you want her to know? If you could just <sighs> pop in like a little fairy wings. Oh my god! What would I tell myself five years from now? Um, 
check all your valves. <laughs> check all your valves. Check all your valves. Check. Make sure to continue to check all your valves. That is... <laughs> I leaned in because I need everyone to understand that my first few months, I was constantly soaked with water because I forgot to check my valves. And I've opened valves and I've disconnected I valves and have left work drenched. So check your valves. If we had like two more hours, I would ask you a lot of technical brewing questions because... Oh, don't ask me that yet. Ask okay, me great. that like two years from now. Okay, well, part two. <laughs> yeah, part two. Season, season, season... Who knows? Five, we'll, four? All be, we'll all be dead by then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, no, when this is a uh, talk show, when we're on NBC, you can Absolutely. Uh huh. Dream big, baby. A thousand percent. Um, where can people find you? Do you want people to follow you on the internet? Do you care? Uh, not really. No, not really. Good. No. Remain a woman of mystery. Yeah. And if you find me on Instagram, I don't have any work information on there. Yeah. I struggle. I, like I said, like the advice that I gave myself, um, that I hypothetically gave myself five years ago mm-hmm. um my job was a personality trait for a long time yeah i thought that i was my job and so now i'm kind of approaching this new era of work mm. as just like it's mine it belongs to me mm-hmm. it's not for the internet to see maybe sometimes i'll show you some coat i'll show you a cool cone dump but i spent so much time like publicizing my work and mm-hmm. what i did and like honestly fucking gave them free promotion that I, it's, even if you find me on the internet, you're, I mean, good luck saying my name. Like, <laughs> good luck knowing how to pronounce my name, to be honest. But, yeah, whatever. It's, if you want to find me, find me. It's, it's fine. It you, all you're going to get is food and cats. And it's so funny because when I get a new influx of followers from people that know that I, what I do and where I work, I'm always like, LOL, when you follow someone because you, think, because you think you're going to get brewing content, but all you're getting is, like, me binge eating every single weekend and, like, pictures of my cat, like, I watching mean, I, TV with me. I will say, your cat is precious and adorable. My baby. My and chichi. Also, you guys have really, like, you're always at a restaurant that I'm, literally, I feel like half of the, like, bookmarks on my Google Maps are like, oh, Josh and Andrea went there, like, I guess I should go there, too. I... I'm taking away a lot from this conversation, obviously, but your work speaking for itself and I'm going to be thinking about your like work-life balance and your boundaries and not defining yourself by your job for quite a while after we, I know. I'm down to chat anytime. Thank you for sharing so openly with me. And honestly, the first, what, 40 minutes of this conversation, I didn't say a word. You, you, I talk so much. You have... (laughs) The best way to hear someone's story is just in their own words and how they experienced it. So I'm grateful to you for sharing that. Thank you for listening, Hannah. My pleasure. And thank you for letting me invite myself on your podcast, which I'm going to say, and you better not edit this out. I won't. I definitely went to Hannah, and I was like, Hannah, I'm ready to talk. <laughs> and she She's was like, what? Okay, let's great. do it. <laughs> I appreciate that you invited yourself because... I think that's a real thing, though, is people who, like, I know, and res- it's so much easier to, like, send an email into the void of, like, hi, my name's Hannah Kime, and I have this podcast. <laughs> but to have someone you, like, know and love and whose opinion you value, like, ask them for their time and ask them to share intimate details of their life experience is scary. So thanks for saving me the work and just 
Tell me you wanted to talk. Anytime. I'm down for part two. Anytime. Stay tuned. I've definitely been your most obnoxious uh, guest in terms of like, I'm giggling every five seconds. It's hysterical. I'm full of joy talking to you. (laughs) So as we all know, we have to end with our, um, with our little quick fire. Quick fire. Oh my God. You know, I tried to prepare for this. No. There's no way to prepare. Exactly. (laughs) There's no way to prepare. And that's the point. Okay. (laughs) Andreina Uribe of many things, of the Bronx and now of Brooklyn Mother to kimchi, friend to all. What's the most overrated beer style in your opinion? Ooh, damn, that's tough. The most overrated beer style. Oh, sour IPAs. Mm. Stomach ache. I really. Have oh to my agree. god. I have to agree. I think they were very tasty in the beginning, but not anymore. The jig is up. As a food aficionado, cake I or knew pie. This was coming. <laughs> What's up, cake or pie? Cake or pie. Oh, cake. Dominican cake. I'm Dominican. I, I, oh my god, girl. I didn't eat pie until I was like 23. Really? Yes. Wait. Okay. Forgive my ignorance. We're doing a whole. The part two happens now, and it's only about Dominican cake. Yeah, Dominican cake is uh yellow cake. There's a fruit filling. My preferred is guava, and then the frosting. Instead, Americans use fondant. Mm-hmm. We use meringue. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? I had my first pie. Or maybe, like, from what I remember, at the bottle shop. Someone brought in a blueberry pie from the Catskills. And I was like, yo, this is a banger. But yeah, cake. Cake. A thousand percent. What's the most underrated beer style? Underrated beer style? And I'm going to say this because I think that we make the best of this style. Hefeweizens. Yeah. Hefeweizens. And and I'm saying that because I tried our new batch of our Hefeweizen today. And I was like, damn, we make good beer. Like, this is... Like, I don't look, I don't look to try Hefeweizen's ever. No. This is really not, like, what I'm looking Same. for when I go to a bar. And, yeah, it was so good. Um, what do your friends come to you for? Um, ooh, what do they come to me for? It's always food and beer, to yeah. be honest. Food, beer, and when they're having a bad day. I feel like I don't like to dwell on shit. So when someone's having a bad day and they come to me about it, I kind of just, like, can I make them laugh? Okay, then I'm going to make them laugh. So I think, yeah, but mostly food and beer. I'm everyone's, apparently I'm everyone's personal food beer guide. So. Yeah. That's that's who I am now. So that's, my friends mostly come to me for that. Food and which beer. Which I'm okay with. Because then that means that if they like it, they'll be like, come with me next time. That means that I got a free meal. Or split meal, which is fine. Great. <laughs> so it's a win, 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 win for it's all of us. It's a win, 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 win. From your many years of being behind the bar. What's your favorite thing you've ever overheard behind the bar? We might be oh, too far removed. Yeah. And that's okay. My favorite thing that I've heard behind the bar? I can't remember. That's Honestly, like, when I was a bartender, it was like, clock out, memory erase. Yeah. <laughs> like, my, everything's gone. I was saying this to someone the other day. Yes, your job is to, like, eavesdrop and, like, know, oh, they are talking about how they don't really like this beer. Let me just... Because no one is more impressed than when you, like bring them a taste of something they were talking about and they mm-hmm. weren't talking to you. Oh, right, but right, But vice versa, like, your ability to tune out fuckery, like, you have to. Otherwise, oh, yeah. you just want to die. Damn, I did not think of that one. I knew you were going to ask the food question. Yeah. I, ugh, well, I duh. stopped asking it because it was meant to be shady, mostly, right? It was meant to be like, one time this guy said this dumb thing. <laughs> I told him he was an idiot. But then some people turn it around and say really gorgeous, like, generous, lovely things. Yeah. But more often than not, people are like, I don't know. Like what you just said, yeah. I clock out and I 
yeah. try not to think about it. I think, can I talk about uh, what I hated hearing? Please. Um, and this is mostly just like about me, just because this is how people would interact with me. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people would say that I'm too assertive, which I did never like. Like guests? Yeah. What? Like being like, oh, wow, look, the manager's here. And I'm just like, oh, my God, you fucking suck. Like, what is your problem? But, yeah, that's one thing that I, that's what I didn't like to overhear behind the bar. Yeah. Where someone has been like, what's this girl's problem? Like, she's so serious. Like, she's so assertive. And it's like, I'm a manager, man. Like. Right. Like, I can, I can be the homegirl, but I also have to be, like, the boss. So, like, what the fuck? Like, what do you want me to do? I have no other option. Literally doing my job. I have to run this bar. And, of course, I feel, it goes without saying, that, like. If you were a man, if you were a white man, no one oh, would yeah. give a fuck. No one would care. No one would be like, oh, yeah, the manager's here. No yeah. one would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Gross. It's a flip and reverse it on you, but. No, don't, yeah. that, I mean, that's, it's really the point. When I yeah. say favorite, I mean, like, in a snarky yeah. asshole way, but. Oh, okay, yes. So, yeah. That's you're a gorgeous, generous soul, so you didn't think to go that way. What was the last show that you binged and loved? The last show that I binged and loved. Oh, my God, this is hard. Oh, American Crime Story. Oh, which The impeachment. One? Oh. With uh, Beanie. Yeah. Oh. I did really want to watch that. What is your Desert Island beer? My Desert Island beer. Damn, Hannah. I should have <laughs> saw this one coming, too. Ooh, you know what? Shout out to my homies at Monkish. Hamster. Hamster by Monkish. It's a pilsner. And last time I went, I slammed, like, three of them. And my boy was like... You like that? I made it. And I'm like, it's fucking delicious. Thank you so much. So yeah, I would say that. Because it was the last beer that I had like, it wasn't the last beer I had full pints of. But it was the last beer that I had full pints of and didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. I kind of just like downed it. Right. That you want and I don't, like. And I guess I appreciate beer and I want to taste it. But I also kind of just want to slam it. And I'm never, I'm not usually ever in the slamming beer mood. But that's the one beer that I can like always slam. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That I'm just like, this is delicious. If you could get on a plane right now. And go anywhere, where would you go? I would go to the tulip field in Amsterdam. <laughs> no one's ever said that. Because that. I was supposed to go uh. February 2020, and I didn't. And that's the one thing that I really wanted to do. Aside from all the things, other things that you do in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. I really wanted to go to that tulip field. Because mostly, I don't know if you've seen Spider-Man, but in Spider-Man... <laughs> Happy parks <laughs> the airplane in a tulip field, and Tom Holland is in this. Be- he's all beat up, but he's in this beautiful tulip field, and I was like, "Where is that? That looks awesome!" And so yeah, that's that's where I would go to. And I just, it's tulip season. I have tulips in my apartment right now. I love tulips. I love flowers. Me too. Yeah. So that's where I'd go. I'd go to a tulip garden in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam. Tulip field. A field. Tulip field. Not tulip a just field. a little garden. We're just a little talking garden. a giant. Field. We're talking big scale. Yeah. She dreams big. <laughs> well, Andreina Uribe, I... Again. This is over? It's over. It's no! done. I mean, I can turn this off and we can keep talking for hours, but <laughs> I just think you're fantastic and I'm so grateful that you came to my apartment and... Clean podcast sound. A clean podcast sound. We'll see. You know. <laughs> you know. But will you please... Thank you for being here. Will you please take us out with any kind of toast that you wish to toast? Um, never limit yourself and do whatever you want to do. It's one life. 
Mm. YOLO, I guess. Like Drake said. (laughs) Drake said YOLO, so YOLO. Do whatever you want, whenever you want. Be respectful. Be nice. Mean people aren't cool, and cool people aren't mean. Cheers to that. woman's storytelling ability somebody call them off because i could listen to her talk for hours how can you not love andreina her passion joy not to mention her laugh are absolutely infectious so much of what she said resonated with me on a deeply personal level how a business's success lies in caring for and doing right by its employees the importance of actually walking the walk of a code of conduct silencing your own inner critic and letting your hard work speak for itself her passion for her own education and for passing that knowledge along to other women of color in our industry lights me the heck up and i cannot wait to see how her path in this industry progresses i think you'll agree that whatever is next for Andaina, she'll bring her passion for brewing her thirst for knowledge and of course that laugh along with her i want to thank her for joining me and for coming over of course as always i want to thank sabrina at the hobbyist shop for our graphic and Megan Bagala for our groovy music. As always, I want to thank you, beer friends. I wouldn't be here without you. I love having you, and I love connecting with you on what's that social media. So go ahead and follow me at Bruise with Broads on Instagram and at Bruise with Broads on TikTok. Okay, I will be back in two weeks with another moving, dare I say, conversation with a fantastic individual in our industry. I will see you next time. Bye.